just what perspective are you coming from? Because there's so many, I mean, there's so many universal jokes about in-laws being awful, right? Yeah, That's the yeah. kind of the expectation is in-laws, oh, in-laws are awful. Welcome to With You Podcast. I'm David, a marriage and family therapist and professor. And I'm Tara, a doula and childbirth educator. Yeah, we've been married 30 years and have four kids that we've raised. And we love to talk about relationships and life transitions. So we hope you'll join us. All right, we're going to have a fun topic today. <laughs> yeah, lot, really fun. Yeah, a lot of people have been asking for this. Um, the feedback we've gotten from all of you is the main thing you want to hear us talk about are in-laws. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> so yeah, it made, it's made us nervous a little bit. Well, a little bit, yeah, because it's such a hot topic. It's the thing ever since we've talked about doing a relationship-related podcast, that's the first thing that comes up for a lot of people. A hard relationship is with their in-laws. Yeah, and the fun thing for us is we, ha we have it on both ends, <laughs> we right? We have our in-laws, your parents, my parents, but then we also are in-laws. We are parents-in-law and kids-in-law. Yeah, yeah, we're all the in-laws. Yeah, so it's, it's very relevant and interesting to talk about, but also we're in the thick of it. So yeah, we are a little nervous about telling personal stories. <laughs> um, but we also want to talk about perspective that we're coming from, because we do recognize that we're coming from a place of being really fortunate in the examples that we've had in our lives. Yeah. So we're not coming from a place of feeling really destroyed by in-law relationships. We both have parents who've modeled it really well, um, the welcoming yeah. and the um, well, I would say I would member. say good enough. <laughs> right, that's, <laughs> that's a therapy term for nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, and right. there needs to be optimal frustration. And that was actually just a little thing for my mom because on Mother's Day I always send her a card and I say thank you for being a good enough mom. The and first time you said that, I think it was a little shocking for her, but she understands that it means. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's a really it's a really <laughs> good thing, but it took years of explaining and she's like, "No, I'm a great mom." I'm like, "No, great moms are problematic. You just <laughs> oh, need no. to be a good enough mom." So, uh, we have we have really good examples, helpful examples, and I think I think what we want to talk about is the first acknowledging that there are some relationships that are really really painful. Yeah. Um, in having these conversations with people, uh, I've heard people there parents or in-laws don't come to the wedding or not supportive of the relationship. There's lots of difficult things. Yeah. We're, we're not going to solve all those problems. No. And also we're not experts in all of this. You know, I mean, we, well. <laughs> <we're> not, <laughs> yeah. yes, you, you have a degree in, in marriage and family therapy, but yeah. um, I don't these. think we're coming from a place of saying that we know how this should work for everybody. No, it's just no. coming from a perspective of let's talk about human relationships in this context yeah, and maybe and some ways that, you know, we could all make it a little bit better yeah. or look at it in a different way. Or even thinking about it as aspiration. Here's the, here's the goal and mm -hmm. trying to think about how do we respond? Cause I love, uh, you know, I love doom scrolling, uh, on Facebook <laughs> and I've seen a couple of times this idea of what can we control and what we can't control. And really 
the things that we can have agency over are our responses yeah. and how we how we experience things isn't so much in our control but how we respond to that experience is and mm-hmm. so a lot of this is going to be about responses right exactly and yeah. trying to empower uh, each other as we have this conversation of maybe reminding each other of things of how we can respond um, and maybe it's helpful for you all so let's let's dive in <laughs> why are in-laws so hard I know it's a universal thing it really is that people because uh, we've talked to people from lots of different cultures and all over the world and this is this is really a difficult topic for a lot of people because I mean right away I just think you're coming from either a scarcity perspective or an abundance perspective, Mm -hmm. meaning a lot of people who um, gain it, or I say gain, (laughs) (laughs) um, but (laughs) yeah, um, when there's a big family change, um, a lot of parents-in-law feel like they're losing their child. Yeah. And and in some cultures that, you know, the particularly the daughter moves out of the parents' home and into the home of her husband forever. So there's, there's a big change. Yeah. And we're not, there is loss of like loss is different than scarcity though. Right. Scarcity is, is feeling not enough. There's not enough love to go around. And loss is kind of a change of the way it was is no longer the same. And we grieve that. Mm -hmm. And there can be something new, which is different than scarcity. Scarcity is there's not enough and there's nothing there. Right. Uh, an absence. An of, absence. Rather than a transition. Right. An abundance model is thinking of it from the perspective of I'm gaining a new family member and we're gaining new traditions that we add in and, and coming from a we're adding instead of subtracting kind of idea. Yeah. And I, I think the, the first perspective shift, so I want to get into scarcity and abundance, but maybe a step before that is thinking systemically, the, yeah. the way that you and I think all the time. And and that's when I when we do couples work and birth and therapy, uh, it's moving the, pro- the symptoms are with people, mm-hmm. but the problems are relational, are kind of the systems, the units rather than the individuals. And I think that's a really good thing to think about that it's two units, two families coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you're in my family of there's similarities and differences in how communication, intimacy, conflict, the systems work a certain way. And they have right. for, for us, it was for 23 years when right. we lived in those. And then we're bringing them together, not just and So you're not putting the circles entirely together, but they're overlapping yeah. in a way. Yeah. And it first starts with us. We have to navigate that. Like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, do you remember? Like just communication and mm-hmm. uh, sharing of like, tell me what you're thinking. It's just like, <laughs> give me some time. And so verbally processing versus internal processing and how that came from our families, we had to navigate that as a couple Mm -hmm. but then we have our families that we got married they have to deal with each other Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a a forced family Uh, so there's your family my family our immediate family in our marriage and then this other super thing uh, that's two in-laws and a couple yeah and that's what we're talking about not oh my mother-in-law is x y and z or oh my father-in-law is x y and z that's different than what we're talking about we're not getting into 
characteristics of the individuals right. we're looking at the systems blending the whole mm-hmm. system and combining yeah. those things into a marriage and bring them together yeah yeah do you have any examples of that i actually thought of a, a personal example if you want me to go first yeah why don't you go first and i, <laughs> I can i can this think is through just it. kind of a it's not a big deal when this was more for us the first time we had to blend sort of family ways of doing things and it wasn't even really involving our parents-in-law it was just our very first Christmas married. Mm. Um, we were living in a basement apartment. You had to work on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day because you worked in a hospital and you were kind of the low man on the totem pole and had to work the holidays. So our first Christmas, I'm sure our, both of our sets of parents were really sad that the, our first Christmas married, we couldn't be with anybody. And I was literally alone in a basement hearing the family upstairs having their celebration. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is hard to hear. But it was time. it was just our that was our first year and it was navigating our new, you know, I mean, I could have gone somewhere by myself, but you were working and we were creating our own little thing. We had a tiny little tree in our basement and um but the story was kind of about gift giving and how that was different in different families because mm, yeah. in my family we were missionaries a lot of the time I was growing up and we had very minimalistic kind of idea about gifts like three was the most you got and it wasn't something extravagant where I think in your family your mom I think gift giving is one of her big love language she loves to give and so you grew up with lots under the tree Mm -hmm. and it was really fun for her to see you guys open lots of things so much so much so she would wrap individually she'd even wrap a toothbrush and yeah yeah, you opened every everything inside your toothbrush was or inside your toothbrush (laughs) inside your stocking was wrapped and it was really fun part of your family christmas and we hadn't really talked about that before our first christmas but i i remember oh yeah uh, do you remember? Like, I do. Yeah. So because we kind of had a fight over. Yeah, gifts. it was kind of a weird conflict we hadn't seen coming because you gave me a ton of stuff that we hadn't talked about. I had maybe two gifts for you, and I found all this stuff under the tree. You had way more for me than I had for you, and I was kind of upset about it. Yeah, like, yeah, it and some of it was just stuff that you just went and got because you wanted me to have lots to open. And, and so we had, we had this big talk after you're like, why are you upset about all these gifts I gave you? And and I'm like, well, I feel it's unbalanced. And And I didn't care that it was. Yeah. You didn't care. You just had fun fun giving giving me stuff. And I was, yeah, I was really kind of shocked by it and upset and, you know, and it was our first like, oh, these were, we thought we were the same in a lot of ways. And yeah. these were some ways, different ways that our families celebrated. And we're like, oh, how do we want to do this now? Because we both got joy from our own ways of doing it with our parents. Mm-hmm. And now how do we, how do we appreciate both of those ways that we grew up? Yeah. But, and I think for me, the, the first in-law story that comes to mind is how do we navigate time? Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, the, the first bit of feeling obligation, I think it was really an obligation of uh, we loved both of our parents and wanted to spend time with them. And they lived across country, uh, Arizona and Colorado and Michigan. And so there wasn't every holiday time to spend with no. both of them. And so how how to navigate that? And uh, we leaned in, we had very different families. Your family 
parents and distant family are all over the world. Right. My grandparents lived in Africa and Australia, so it wasn't even like we could visit them right. when I was growing up. Yeah. And then for my family, we all lived within maybe a five-mile radius, mm -hmm. and so there would be 40 Van Dykes and 30 Vandertils, and we'd get together one day, other mm -hmm. day. So it was just the expectation uh, was we spend time together. Now, luckily, I had older cousins, and they had developed a system. And their system was uh, one year is the Van Dyke family Christmas, the other year is the off, and the whole extended family navigated that. Mm -hmm. So my cousins, their everybody got on the system. Everybody was on the system. Yeah. And then we come along and have to. We like, tried to set that system in my my family, and it didn't always work the it, same way. Right. And and the frustration that I had that well, here's generations of a system that works. Why aren't why isn't that? And uh, it's easy to go to you know for me it was easy to go to a scarcity model of like you guys just don't understand. Just do it this way and kind of get stuck in rather than okay. So how do we make a shift? How do we do it? differently. Mm -hmm. And that was a, that was a big shift for me because it was generational of how we did it. And then having to look at, Oh, there, that's not the right way. Very different system. Yeah. It's a way that mm -hmm. was a good fit. And then we had to find a good ish fit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the getting together thing is always a one that's a, a hard thing for a lot of people because it's all about expectation. What is your expectation for yeah when family gets together and what what right do we have to have certain expectations and at what point is an is it an obligation mm -hmm. and not a joyful gathering that's the that's the the tricky edge <laughs> <laughs> that right? is the tricky edge yeah and i think for me i don't know how you navigate that edge uh, for me navigating that edge is is leaning in again leaning into family therapy theory mm -hmm. uh, so a man by the name of Oz, uh, oh here we go <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ivan Bazarmeni Naj. Uh, and uh, so you can look him up if you're interested in, but he talks about kind of invisible loyalties. It's one of my, it's the name of his book. It's one of my favorite books. And it's this idea that um, if you can't find anything good about like your parents or in-laws, uh, think about they gave the gift of life and that there's there's nothing you can do to repay that and what a gift so like your your life you're being involved in my in my life is because of your parents and that just there draws affection and respect and kind of a sense of um not expectation but appreciation right and i yeah i think we're we're wanting to come from the the very beginning of when you gain in-laws when you get married or your child gets married and you gain this new kind of, you know, circles around your system. Um, just what perspective are you coming from? Because yeah. there's so many, I mean, there's so many universal jokes about in-laws being awful, right? Yeah. That's yeah. the kind of the expectation is in-laws, oh, in-laws are awful. Like <clears throat> my mom lives next door to us. And I can't tell you how many people, when that was, when my parents, we were helping them move next door, People's first response to that, usually to you, was like, ooh, how are you going to deal with your mother-in-law being right next door? It's That's the first thought, the first response. Yeah. That that's and I, and I want to go on record as I would respond, I love it. <laughs> yeah, and you do. I do. And you, you mow her lawn and you shovel her snow joyfully and we, we have a good system having her close by. 
But that's not the thought that most people have Correct. about having their in-laws. And it's partly starting with that expectation. Yeah. Like, how am I going to think about this when I gain a new mother-in-law? Am I going to think, oh, she's going to be a thorn in my side or she's going to be, she's the, the woman who raised this man that I chose to marry yeah. and and live with for the rest of my life. Let's respect the work that happened there and mm -hmm. the gift of life and the, the love that she gave him. And start from there and then build on expecting that we can be part of that love together just in a different way. Yeah. And I know it's not easy. I know sometimes there's, you know, there's difficult things going both ways. And so it's not coming from a, a place of, um, I don't know. It, from the mother-in-law, it might be more difficult for some than for others. But our thoughts and our response, like you said, our response yeah. and our expectation is where we start. Right. And and on the, the flip side of us being, because we're on both sides, we are in-laws and appreciation for uh, the partners, the parents of our kids' spouses, right. uh, because our our children choose those men and women as partners, and their parents invested in them and yeah. and raised them, and there's there's appreciation. So there's this kind of abundance of thankfulness and appreciation versus oh you're taking my son away or you're taking my daughter away which is it can feel that way. I mean we have we have our son lives in Kentucky and. People are like, oh, do you feel the loss of like, yeah, I feel a loss in that I wish he was around more and spending more time with him. But it's not attributed to, oh, it's the in-laws fault or no. uh, or even the being able to see how much they love him and care for him. And it's it's moving. So it's back to that. It's different of if it's about love for my son. Um, it's increased by having other people, even though it's different for me. Oh, I'm getting teary. I, I miss know, him. I know. I know. Uh, but it is, it's that kind of loss, but gain. Uh, and um, it's, it can be beautiful, but it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. And I think we have to acknowledge that because it's, and maybe we call it a letting go yeah. more than a lot, because there's, there's naturally a change in our roles when people get married yeah. either way. Um, so it's, it's understanding that. And like you said, appreciating the people who raised your child's partner and that partner, you know, yeah. for one of our son, who's sons who've, who's been married for two years and one getting married in the next year, we appreciate that, that though, those girls have chosen to be by their side. That's right. And deal with us, <laughs> yeah, right? And deal I with mean, us. Yes. You choose not only your partner, but you choose the system that your partner comes from. Yeah. And so we, ha we have to acknowledge that our system is an, a foreign land for those girls, too. <laughs> yeah. Just like the dinner table and all the crazy conversations. <laughs> yes, we, we often have. apologize to them. Okay. This is, this is what you've married into. This is us. And sorry about what we say at the dinner table. And don't you love the moments when they, they kind of, their eyes kind of have that realization sparkle of, Oh, this is where he gets it from. Yes, that is kind of fun. Those <laughs> aha moments that they see us or their husband or their their guy in our, in our system, and they realize, oh, I see, kind of that whole where it came from and how this works yeah. with everybody, with the siblings present, and 
It is fun. And and back to kind of the, our relationship with them of, I think curiosity and flexibility have been the things we challenge ourselves of like, it's going to be an adult relationship that we have with our kids, no longer parenting. I mean, I think about that developmentally, we spent so many years trying to keep those kids alive, uh, right? Like when they say, hey, watch this. And you're like, oh, please don't be jumping off the cabinet yeah. or don't be running <laughs> with scissors. Uh, we kind of do that phase of life where our whole focus is was centered on parenting them, raising them right. to be productive, to, to survive and to be productive. Right. And then it shifts because we're no longer survival mode. It's right. the the gravitational full uh, gravitational full pull <laughs> moves. Uh, I was going to say centripetal and centrifugal, but then I'm like, <laughs> oh, those are big words. Uh, but it moves from centered on us to uh, centered on a different relationship that we can be part of, but right. not central to. Right. Yeah. I think that's part of what makes it painful is because your whole life as a parent is is centered around helping this human develop. Yeah. You know, first, right, like you said, stay alive, just like <laughs> keeping them alive and fed and and then helping them find values, hopefully, that they're able to contribute to the world. Yeah. And then as they choose this partner, you think as, as a mother and as a father, you think, oh, I hope I've, I've done a good enough job, <laughs> a good enough mother. You know, you just yeah. think, oh, it's, you know, I did my best. Oh, I just want to say, I love that callback. Good enough <laughs> yeah, mother. Thank you. Yeah. Good enough. Yeah. I hope I did a good enough job. <laughs> But you do you do have those moments where you see the things that you wish maybe you had done differently, and you yeah. hope that you instilled. Um, and it, it's not entirely your job to instill everything in them that will allow them to love others. But but you take that on, and you hope. I hope he's going to be able to love his wife as you know, as he should, and be able to give to her and contribute to society. And I think that. Part of it is yeah. the weight of it, of the letting go of, well, that part of my job is done. Yeah. And and if that's tied to your identity, that's mm -hmm. a challenge. So mm -hmm. it's also, how do you not lose yourself in your kids, right? right. Of, this is an in-law thing, but I think we do that. I mean, you and I we focused on our kids a lot, so much so that now we had to find a new project because mm -hmm. we had kids <laughs> as a project. But it's, I mean, I say that jokingly, but it's its a lot like mm -hmm. your your perspective as a mom mm -hmm. was so much your identity for 20 years. Right. And it doesn't change. You're still a mom, but it means a different thing. The kind of job description changed. Right, right. And I think that's a huge part of the difficulty of the, the in-law relationship because how people let go of that role and how they change their identity yeah. and how that's focused on the child and, and the expectation of what then the child gives back. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the, that's the difficult spot that we all have to learn how to navigate. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think for what I see in, in the therapy room is the difficulty navigating that sometimes is that identity and focus on the kids and even investment as in-laws uh, is a escape from really the difficult relational work. Maybe we've missed each other over the years of focusing on the kids um, and it's hard to look at that. So we just stay extra involved in our kids and and their relationship mm -hmm. um, where we need to really kind of take a hard look at where are we and what are we doing together? Kind of, uh, again, that flexibility and adjustment to, oh, we have a, a new job. How are we going to do this together? And it might be focusing on us. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
as as we think about the systems that we come from in this kind of transition, uh, what skills do you think we've used uh, to kind of navigate both our parents and our kids? Yeah, I've been thinking about this because, you know, a lot of people are already in this relationship that's already kind of a challenge. And so how do you start from where you already are and start to shift things in a more positive direction? And some, you know, let's not assume everybody has a difficult relationship with their in-laws because I, I see some beautiful ways of doing this. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people really blend well with their family. But I think it I think the first skill that it starts with is assume the best intentions first. This is just basically this is all human relationships 101, only it's extremely amplified and intensified mm -hmm. with in-laws because um, there's so much at stake and because it's more permanent. You know, it's not like you can just end, you know, a, a difficult friendship. This is a family yeah. relationship. So I think that's why it's the intensification of it um, and what it means for the long term. So assuming best intentions. So an example that I have is, you know, a lot of my friends as women, you know, sometimes at, at a book club or gathering of women, people will say, oh, you know, they'll complain about my, my in-laws just were staying with us and it was hard because blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, one example that I have from a friend, and this has happened with multiple friends, so I'm not calling any one person <laughs> out, <laughs> but somebody said, oh, my, my parents' in-laws were here and it was so hard. And I said, what was hard about it? And she said, well, my, my mother-in-law, it's just so hard with her. I said, well, what, what do you, what is, what happens between the two of you? And she said, well, she, she spent the entire day cleaning my whole kitchen. She cleaned it from top to bottom. And I'm thinking, that sounds fabulous. <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> and, but she saw it from a perspective of she's criticizing my ability to mm -hmm. clean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And maybe that was there. I don't know. But it sounded to me like an assumption because she was feeling inadequate in that area yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, so starting with an assumption of maybe she thought that would be the best way to help you. You've got two little boys running around, you know, life is busy and hard and maybe she would have loved somebody to clean her kitchen when she was in that stage. So if we start with that, even if you get clues that it, that's not the intention, it's a really good way to start with any relationship. Like just yeah. assume they had some good intentions involved with that action. Yeah. Start from there. And, and I, uh, you know, my story is with your dad of assuming good intentions. Uh, even when we first met, I thought he was trying to kill me uh, because he. <laughs> not literally. No, not literally. <laughs> I mean, his his first uh, in the first weekend I met him, he told me I needed a life fitness program. Yes. And I could have heard that as you're fat and lazy. Right. Uh, and instead it was. You weren't either of those things. No. And it was his comment was just uh, advice of like. Like here's here's how to thrive, and then he because took me. Because structure was so helpful for him. Structure yeah. and exercise mm -hmm. were important to him. Mm -hmm. Not so much me. I like <laughs> yeah. the socialization of sport rather yeah. than sport itself. And yeah. and so he was a marathon runner. And so one one of the things he took us for bike like took me for bike ride. Uh, that about killed me. And then he took me up a mountain, mm -hmm. uh, and that about killed me. And it would be easy to go oh he's trying to kill me or he's kind of putting me through the paces as uh -huh. a, as a lesson to, you know, you need to man up to be married to my daughter. It was none of that. Uh, it was really about, it was about relationship. And for me, I had to shift into, oh, I'm going to be curious and learn new things and do new things. Even if I didn't 
truly enjoy yeah, hiking, Yeah, that was not climbing. any of your family recreational no, activities. No, <laughs> as I've said many times, I like running about 90 feet. That's why I like baseball. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was finding what he was interested in and making that kind of assumption of the best intention was he wanted to do things and was sharing his life with me. And uh, I mean, he even took me hunting. Um, and <laughs> that was a stretch for you. Yeah. yeah. It, we got up like four in the morning and it was freezing and we just sat still silently by ourselves <laughs> in the woods. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what hell is like for me. Uh, but he, he wanted to share because he was, you, you eat what you kill and this is how you sustain a family and there's an enjoyment about being out in nature. And I learned a lot from him, mm-hmm. but it, it started with, Oh, it could none feel of like this. torture. Yeah, yeah, none of this is what it really kind of makes me happy. Um, but then he did things like our first anniversary or my f- birthday of our first year. He bought me a baseball bat uh, because he knew I loved mm-hmm. baseball so much. So he entered in as well as inviting me in. And for me, it was a headspace of, oh, he's inviting me in versus he's trying to kill me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. But, but I think yeah. that that's a funny story, but it goes to that point of like, like, what? like, how could you tell this story? How could you see it? Yeah. And mm-hmm. if I if I talk about that story as a as a desire for connection and an invitation in, I have a very different emotional response than if it was uh, he was trying to teach me a lesson or show me up or all mm-hmm. those things, which mm-hmm. then I have. If I think that, then I have a very different emotional response and then I'm going to respond differently. And you can see how just starting at this intentions first, best intentions first can create a trajectory of relationship that's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. So, oh, those are fun memories to kind of call yeah, out. Um, yeah. And I thinking about that in parallel, um, your mom taught me to do some Dutch things. And I, oh, there's a, so there's a, there's a, I know, see, there's a funny <laughs> Dutch phrase. If you go in any shop around Holland, Michigan, or one of those places, there's always a plaque you can put on the wall that says, if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. <laughs> <laughs> and I was indoctrinated into that kind of stuff. And I could have thought too, well, I, I'm pretty inadequate for this family because I got no Dutch heritage. Um, But your mom very lovingly taught me to make some of your favorite treats and not in a way that like, he's my son, this is what he loves and you must learn to do this. It was like, (laughs) want to see some of the stuff that we like to eat and it never felt like um, it was an expectation that I... Yeah. I feed you t- in in the manner to which <laughs> you were accustomed. <laughs> well, that would have been hot dogs, processed meat, and processed cheese. So I'm yeah. glad that that was did. just a Midwestern yeah. menu. But I, I mean, it makes my heart warm because I saw you do that this last weekend with our daughter-in-laws, uh, mm-hmm. our daughter-in-law and future daughter-in-law. Uh, that you started the tradition of passing along what you learned from my mom mm-hmm. to them as a as a connection, as a kind of history tradition. And it was, it was fun to see. I mean, I don't know how, if everybody appreciated it, uh, but I learning they to do, do. Oh, they love almond pastry. How can you not? <sighs> but so good. yeah, I mean, that's part of the respect piece. It's choosing. I married into this family and I, I take it on as part of my job now to pass on those traditions yeah. that your parents had and that taught you. And now I get to pass them on to our kids and their spouses. Yeah, it's uh, there's a richness to it, um, and and it's really kind of learning the family culture, language, speaking speaking the way the family does in terms of intimacy. So we talk about five love languages 
uh, in the past. And what's the, what's the family love language? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's huge because I think we can make an assumption that we all kind of speak the same language and we come from our own perspective or way of reading what they're doing, but like treating it like a a foreign land that you come into as an outsider and learning what is the language that's spoken here? How can I understand this? And how stressful all of that can be. That it can it can feel like you're lost and you don't know which way is up. I mean, I think when we live cross culturally, we have that of like, I don't know what's being said. I don't know how to do the normal things. And being connected to in laws can feel that way. Like, yeah. oh, what's what's happening? Right. Here? There's inside jokes and they're laughing at stuff, and you got to kind of figure out the lay of the land and like, how do I enter in and understand this? Um, yeah, one of my one of my friends, uh, she was telling me about uh, having. Uh, students over uh, for a holiday and had to meet her in-law family. Uh, And she's like, I hope they're not sensitive because I teach at a faith-based institution with her. And uh, her uh, son-in-law was wearing a shirt that had, I forget what all the words were, but butthole was one of the words (laughs) on on the the front that (laughs) they were coming to a family dinner. And, uh, you know, I think the international students had a hard time. Like, what is, what is going on? This doesn't match with how I know. And it's bumping into another culture of like what you see in relationship, but then the family dynamics can be different. And they're like, how do we, like, Oh, how do we navigate? Like what's going on there? Um, and I, I think we bump into that of like, I remember you're dealing with your parents and shocking your whole family because I violated all sorts of family cultural norms. Mm -hmm. The first time I met your dad and giving him a hug and picking him up off the ground where uh, physical touch in that kind of way that was a little over the top for us. Yeah, yeah. it was a little a little <laughs> bit beyond. Yes. And, uh, and I was embarrassed when we were dating and uh, we had gone to a show with my brother and uh-huh. my parents. And um, my brother has flatulence. <laughs> and, uh, and my family was very comfortable just kind of ripping one off uh and we made him run beside the car in the parking I think garage he chose to he was he was trying to be polite to the yeah. new the newcomer in the family <clears throat> yeah those type, yeah there's those a, type of things right there's a lot of things that that change and morph as people come in and just kind of taking a look at it and figuring out how do i respond well to this because i think like you said at the very beginning i think the mistake that some of us can all make as we come in is expecting them to change their system yeah like i don't like how you guys do this you shouldn't do it this way that's not going to go over very well mm-hmm. or you know the way that you gather for this is offensive to me or and i so i think coming from the perspective of how do how can i respond to this where it's comfortable for me while also respecting the way that their system is and not asking everybody to change it yeah. for me. And those those system content things are how do we show love? How do we how do we fight? How do we disagree? What does disagreement is disagreement everybody yelling? Is disagreement you don't speak of it ever again? Mm-hmm. Um, slamming door. Like what's the what's the proper way in this family to communicate? Uh, disagreement right because if it's if it's like let's do direct conversation and just go to the heart of the matter and that's not what you come from 
that feels offensive. It feels uh, abrupt and maybe even rude. Mm -hmm. uh, where on the flip side, if I'm coming from a very direct culture and you're not talking about it at all of feeling abandoned, isolated, like you just don't care anymore. Mm -hmm. And so there can be those interpretations of right. having space. And I would say not during the heat of the moment, but having space to have communication about this of like, this is kind of where it means you have to do a self-assessment. Right. This is where we're coming from. This is kind of how our family works. I mean, it would be, we, we talk about premarital counseling. Mm -hmm. It would be interesting to have in-law counseling. Yeah. I think we could just develop something right go. here <laughs> of, of doing a family assessment, the husband's side, the wife's side, doing an assessment of like where, and, and there is prepare and enrich, but it's about connection and uh, flexibility, but also on how we do conflict to identify where you're coming from and, and how is that similar and different and how you're bringing it in of uh, being upfront about that is a starting spot to then be able to live cross-culturally. Right. And I think another starting spot, and I think something that I think we did fairly well as we navigated combining these systems, because as I do said, tell. I love yes, when we do it. Well. But I mean, we came from a position of strength because we had such good models, I have to say. Yeah. But even in, even in a system like that, where it's not upfront, direct conflict, it's not easy. It's still not easy. There's mm -hmm. a lot of things that get combined that could be misunderstood and a lot of things that can be hard. I make both of our moms upset frequently. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It's true. But I think partly why you in those moments where you have is because, because we are our new system. And so us being loyal to each other first and yeah. communicating with, with each other first about what do we agree upon about how we're going to travel to the other families or whatever is really important too. Yeah. And I think we did that. Well, I think that's a part that a lot of people struggle with because the mom says, you know, we've had him for 25 years. You just came in. So we get first dibs on this or that. And yeah. that, that can be a really hard place to start. Um, so for us, like having that conversation with like, well, this is why that that was hard for me. And can mm -hmm. we talk about how we do this together or how, you know, when we're in, your family, like, don't make jokes about how badly I do dishes or, <laughs> you know. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, you, and you didn't. I'm just throwing out things that can happen that can be, like, normal in a family system but hurtful mm -hmm. to somebody else. So how do you communicate with your partner about this is why this doesn't work for me? Can we – and then being loyal to each other first mm -hmm. um, and then communicating well with our family members and the communicating well can be hard, the direct conversation. Yeah. And gentleness and respect. Get back to the kind of perspective of like their due respect because they've given life parents have. And so how do we boundary our our relationship and privilege our relationship and show honor to our parents and be yeah. able to communicate like, yeah, and and that means they might be there might be differences and we might not have agreement and that's okay. But then how do we do disagreement? How do we live in that space? And I think it's it's leaning in that well, there's nothing they can do that make me feel less loving towards them, right? I have that from my faith. Uh that it gives a gives a perspective of I love them regardless. They're, my love for your parents and my parents aren't conditional on what they do or how they treat me. Um, that frees me up, that big perspective to then love, even in disagreement, love and Yeah, and well, I think two things it. you said there are really key. Number one is the, the word honor. So choosing to honor 
our parents-in-law, our kids-in-law and their families, because that's just a, that's a great starting place of honoring that they're part of the family. And two, love as an action and a choice instead of a feeling, because yeah. we're not always going to feel loving yeah. towards somebody, mm-hmm. but we can choose, I choose to love your entire family because I've chosen to live with you for the rest of my life and I've chosen to love you. Yeah. And, and your dad said that in a really funny way. One time, I think we were just playing a card game or something and I forget how it came about, but I, we said something about, well, I, but, but I, I love him. And he said, but you know what, even if you didn't, no, he said, even if you didn't like me, you'd still love me. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you, you chose to love David. And I know that even if you didn't like me, you would still love me. Uh, and I was like, oh, that was really cool that he said that. And then he saw that. Yeah. And then he knew that that was the way we'd both chosen to love our extended families because it's a choice and an action yeah. rather than always a feeling. Because it's not always going to feel easy or fair Sometimes to love our in-laws if we're not feeling that back from them. But it's still a choice to honor Mm -hmm. and to love in our actions. Your mom also uses language that way. So she she, does. uh, She always calls the the in-laws in loves. Uh, And it's kind of shifting from it's not a legal obligation. It's a a relational stance. It's that kind of loving stance. Right, because she says the word in-law sounds so cold and so um, doesn't. Yeah, legalistic, like it's yeah. just, uh, it's bound by the law versus, no, we're bound by love. And so she she says, in loves, mm-hmm. uh, which I first heard it was like, that's weird. And then it's kind of grown yeah, on it's, me. It can be weird and cheesy. And also it <laughs> sends a big message because we believe strongly in language yeah, and in language creating meaning sometimes and, and feeling. And um, so just starting with that and saying, you know, this is when she introduces somebody in a group setting, this is my daughter in love. It's very different than, you know, a colder word. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, that that kind of thought process is about setting up boundaries, internal boundaries, but then you also have to set external boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really the last skill set and probably the most important mm-hmm. is boundaries. And we, we've talked about it a little bit, boundaries between like we come first, Tara and David come first in terms of that's our our commitment to God, then commitment to each other, then commitment to each other's parents. Right. It's kind of that order. Um, and how do, we, how do we set boundaries up that way? Um, and we've talked a little bit about that. I want to talk about boundaries down. So now we are the in-laws. Um, and how how do we think about boundaries? You in mean terms the parents of, in law? <clears throat> yeah, we're mm-hmm. parents in law. Mm-hmm. Of uh, how do we think about boundaries? How are we loving our kids to be helpful in relationship rather than to be entitled uh, in relationship? And I think uh, uh, how we set boundaries. Explain there is what important. you mean by that. So I I think sometimes we feel entitled of like, well, this is my child, and I should have time with them, and we we put unrealistic expectations on our kids Mm -hmm. in terms of boundaries of like, well, you're coming here for Christmas or you're doing this and uh, it's boundaried around time and requirement and expectation. And there's an entitlement that comes from that. Um, And I understand where it comes from for us as parents, uh, but setting boundaries, helping set boundaries for kids of like uh, you, you have to be making this decision together and, as parents, here's what we would like, but we understand there's lots that you have to go into that. Um, and, and if that, whatever the request is, 
can't be made, uh, can we problem solve something different? And we've we've kind of boundaried holidays uh, in Well, I think we've ways. tried to have open boundaries for them because we recognize the stress of a new couple trying to meet the expectations of both sides. And so the way we've kind of tried to set the expectation is we say, you're welcome here anytime. We yeah. want you here anytime you're able but we also aren't going to be angry with you if you can't come for Thanksgiving. Or, In fact, I've done two full Thanksgivings before <laughs> because if our kids couldn't make it that same weekend, we did a second one the, the next weekend. Yeah. Because it does to, to yeah. us, we want to we wanna prioritize and value the being together and not the hard expectation on it has to be a certain time. Yeah. And you can't miss this or that, or we'll be upset, or yeah. you'll be offending us, because that's just undue pressure. And I think it creates conflict and resentment over time. And uh, that's not what we want to foster. No, we want to foster that caring, loving relationship. And mm -hmm. so when you get to the heart of it, like the holidays, it's really about desire. It's not desire of like being together on that day. It's about being together. And so how do we, how do we think differently about that? Now it will be sad if we're not together on that day, whatever day that is, but we can look and see when can we get together as a whole family? We've, we've kind of done that, uh, having a different tradition. That's not a holiday yes. tradition. Which Oh, yeah. Yes. So one thing we're experimenting with, and this is all new because this is new phase of our lives, having kids who are married. Yeah, we're only two years in being parents-in-law. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're fresh at this. So we're figuring this out as we go. So we may have to do another it's podcast go, to it's correct only going all the things to, right, that we've we'll said. Come back and say, oh, we were. <laughs> Full of we crap. Yeah. It's only going to get more involved and complicated, but um, we're, we're trying to have a gathering in the summer that people, that all of our family can come to more easily with taking time off work and whatnot that doesn't put as much pressure on we all have to be there at Christmas. Well, and, and my family of origin too, you know, my when my mom married my dad, she moved from Australia and never went back permanently. So I saw it from a different perspective too. And my dad's parents were in Africa when we were in the United States. So yeah. they didn't have the option of getting together. Right. So it wasn't, I know we focused a lot on the holidays, partly because we're recording this between Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> so there's a lot of, a lot of thought around that. And it seems to amplify people's kind of conflicts yeah. um, in their in-law systems because. It's a good accelerant. Holidays are a good accelerant yeah, for Yeah, And it's the time it, it makes, it brings all this to the surface often yeah. for people. So. So if you think about your family, then my family, we didn't like my house I grew up in was a half a block from where the immigrant came in 1848. So over 150 years we moved you know, a block. Yeah. Uh, and everybody was always around and we always did everything together. So you have where you're separated across the world and it's the nuclear family yeah. that's tight. And my family, it's everybody gets together. It's the extended family that's tight. That can put pressure on because the extended family can't get together every time right. and so missing out. More about the boundary part. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think for a lot of people, it's how do I... What is a boundary and what is an appropriate boundary to create to make um, to make all of this relationship stuff feel okay for me? And a boundary, you know, maybe from your therapy perspective, you can talk about it, but it's not telling somebody else what they can or can't do. Right. Right. right? It's more how I'm going to respond and mm -hmm. protect my, you know, take care of myself in this yeah. way. And just a small example is, some, you know, in any family gathering, 
I'm an introvert. And sometimes in larger family gatherings, it can be super overwhelming f- for me for a while. And after a while, my um, I start to break down a bit and, and just feeling exhausted and not responding my best way just because I'm trying to be present for everybody, but I'm feeling overwhelmed. And it took me years to realize I could have a boundary of saying, I'm going to go in my room and close the door and, and read a book for an hour before I come back out. That was a boundary for me. It didn't change. Everybody else can have a raucous good time out in the living room. I'm just going to step away for a minute and come back. And it took me a long time to realize that was okay. Yeah. And I think having boundaries of uh, if it's unsafe, if your in-laws are unsafe, of uh, still showing love and respect and yet having boundaries of not exposing your partner or not exposing your kids to certain things and and being creative of like what would be okay time together. Mm -hmm. It might not be safe on the holidays. And so, yeah, even the hard boundaries. So you're talking about individual boundaries during a time. But there are there are places, families that we grow up in that aren't safe. And uh, there's not the obligation to expose yourself to risk. Right. Uh, but it's how do you have connection that's safe and finding those boundaries of what keeps you right. safe and connected. And connected. Safe and connected. Right. And that's really the purpose right. of boundaries uh, is uh, as a system too. There can be chaotic systems that aren't good at this moment in historical time and needing to put some boundaries around that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but being clear, being open about it, communicating it is really important rather than just, just doing silently, just we're not coming. Right. And the, that can be misinterpreted Mm -hmm. and lead to more ruptures. And so boundaries don't have to be ruptures, but it involves clear communication, open, honest, uh, vulnerability, which is, is hard, especially if you're not feeling safe. So there's these balances. And again, we don't know what the right answer is, but these ideas are helpful in finding a good fit within the system that you find yourself. Right. Yeah. So it always helps to to have communication, be on the same page as your partner and then have clear communication about it. And by clear communication. And another thing I think you did well, too, is sometimes when we had to set our own new personal boundary, we would start by telling our parents this, having a phone call and saying, we love you, we respect Mm -hmm. you and we want to be with you. But this is how we're going to have to do this part. Yeah. Like, you know, coming to meet the first grandchild. We love you. We respect you both. And this is when you're invited to come. And that helps to start with, this is how we feel about it. We want to celebrate together. And for, and for us, for these reasons, this is how we have to do it. That can help because you can't just assume they're going to think this is coming from love when you set a boundary. And, and it's hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, So doing this doesn't mean it's going to feel good all the time or Mm -hmm. it's going to be easy. Uh, Relationships are hard and they take a lot of intentionality. um, And hopefully something from today's conversation (laughs) will be helpful to you. If not, I hope it was entertaining. Um, It's been, it's been a lot of fun doing these podcasts and uh, this is the end of season one. Yeah. We're going to take a short break for the month of December and come back in the new year with some new ideas and some new interviews and some fun stuff. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, if you all put pressure on our children, hearing about the things we did well and not well would be an interesting podcast, right? (laughs) Having the kids. So interviews, stories, um, and please reach out uh, to us. We'd We'd love love your feedback. And in the meantime, we would love reviews. They really help um, to get our podcast to other people. So 
Go ahead and write a review on your Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to us. That's right. And you can send comments through our webpage of withyouprojects.com. Yep. So thanks for listening and have a great holiday time with your in-laws. See you next year. Thank you for listening to With You Podcast. We hope you had a good time, had fun, learned something. We would love for you, if you enjoyed this or if you're wanting to give it another try, to like and subscribe. Yeah, and we hope you'll follow what we're doing at withyoupodcast.com and come back for more.